celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Wow, an incredible shoe today. What a shoe. What a really big shoe. Really big shoe. I, I bet that's going over the head on a, a lot of people. Yeah, you got to be as old as the we younger are. crowd. Yes. Yeah, that's actually before our time. Even it is. Yeah, it was. Let's see. Jackson Galaxy is going to be back on today for you cat lovers. Wow. He's going to tell us how to build our house around behavior problems that your cat may have. Tanya Tucker, country artist Tanya Tucker. We understand she'll be with us. She was supposed to be with us last week, but she caught. A bug or something? Yeah, she wasn't feeling very well. John O'Hurley, Peterman from uh, Seinfeld, you might remember, he will join us for the 14th year in a row. And uh, what else do we have today? Uh, oh, you. How could I forget the most important part? <laughs> Dr. Debbie's here, dog father Joey Volani. In just a few minutes, we're going to check in with news from the Animal Radio Newsroom, and we have Lori Brooks at the helm over yep. there. How are you doing? Uh, you may not want to know, but I am glad you asked. Um, we're going to find out uh, why researchers are studying animal flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're speechless. Okay, because they eat gassy food? I don't know. Ah, I would hate to be that it's researcher. <laughs> Could you imagine that job? Oh, this one smells a little like a... <laughs> Okay, let's go to your calls right now. We need your help desperately to, uh, we digress. Hey, Liliana. Hey. How are you doing? What's going on? Uh, nothing much. I have a uh, one-year-old Malaysian flying fox. A one-year-old what? Malaysian flying fox. A flying fox? I have ne- A Malaysian flying fox. That is weird. I've never heard of that. It's a fruit bat. What's- well... How I came across her is uh, I had a friend that was breeding foxes, and he ordered one, ordered a uh, Malaysian fox, and I sent the fruit bat instead. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't treat bats, um, but I'll try my best. What is your question? I was just wondering about what would be a good dietary need for her right about right now because she is eating solid food but sometimes she won't even touch it for a couple of days have you ever dealt with this in your practice you know we really don't treat bats and the one thing that you know there are people that will um keep bats but generally they are a species of animal that are actually under a lot of uh, regulation so you have to have a usda permit if you're um keeping or selling bats um so it is something that is it is something that you know you have to know what you're doing um and certainly some of the general things about bats is that you know these guys are social animals so i certainly um would hesitate to keep a single bat that that to me does not seem fair for the the critter um now fruit bats themselves yeah they are social i left her with a friend and he has um, one fruit bat himself, and he has a couple of cats and dogs, and she's very social, and she just loves to torment the dogs. What does the yeah. bat just hang around all day? I mean, where, what, is the, what does the bat do? I usually would let her out fly, like go to the park, and we just, you know... Oh, my God. Okay. This is crazy. This is crazy. I'm sorry. I cannot. I cannot. um, 
endorse keeping a bat as a pet, letting it play with your dogs and cats, and then letting it go out and fly in the wild. I just, I don't no, see that that uh, is an appropriate always, pet. She always stays in my sight, and she always comes back to me. She's like a, pretty much a best pet I've ever had. I, I can't hear any of that, so I'm not she sure. She says what. that she she uh, pretty much stays within her sight and then comes right back to her, and it's the best pet she's ever had. She wow! Well, I, you know what? Different strokes for different folks, but I have to stand behind knowing that um, you know bats are certainly they require special care. Fruit bats should eat fruit. Um, you know, while they might eat some insects, they are basically a nectar and fruit eating species. So um, I would really um, stick with that. And you know, some of the sad things that we do know about bats is that they do have wonderful lifespans of about twenty five years or more out in the wild. But in captivity, it is very common that they don't thrive so i'm happy to hear she's had it for um, a year um so how i treat her is i pretty much let her she has her i have a netting on top of the roof of on my uh in my living room and she pretty much wanders about whenever she wants to she's not in a small cage like some of these breeders and uh, keepers that have bats they put them in these small cages i let her out in my living room huh I, I'm speechless. Yeah, I'm sorry. First, <laughs> I'm just, first, I would not want to encourage people to keep bats as pets. They really do require a lot of education, uh, housing, um, and you really, um, in order to um, to raise these guys, you are supposed to be USDA, hold a USDA permit. But um, I, I definitely say that's the first time that we've ever heard that. And yeah. I think we lost her there the the cell seems to have. i was wondering if we had i mean if she maybe rescued the bat as a baby and now it can't survive on its own in the wild is that why she had well it you know that can that can occur but there are actually in a lot of states there are bat sanctuaries and that those would be the proper right. places where these kind of creatures can go to so i mean what you know I, I don't know i just can't imagine a bat living alone they usually live in groups of you know 14 i think even up to 20 so to to live with a human and a couple uh, other mammals in the household that just doesn't seem like that's um keeping the animal's best needs in mind. Yeah. I don't know. Those fruit bats. Have you seen pictures of those? They are they are cute? So They're pretty cute. cute. Oh. I, oh, those are the ones that, that are being rescued. You see pictures on Facebook all yes, the time. Yes, those are adorable looking. Very strange. Very strange. How big are they? A lot of them are, are pretty small, and I think a, a couple pounds at the most is yeah. what these guys tend to be. Hmm. Hi, Charlie. How you doing? Uh, hi there. How are you? Very good. What's going on with you? Oh, I'm Good, the usual day, yeah. but I have a little problem with my schnauzer. Okay. They tell us she has diabetes. Okay. And um, has she had that very long? No, in the last three weeks. We discovered oh, it goodness. three weeks ago. Okay. And how is she feeling? Is she sick? Is she um, having no, difficulties? She, not now. She's up and got the same energy she had before. We give her two shots a day of four units of insulin. Okay. How are you doing with that? Are you feeling comfortable? Because it's a big challenge for a lot of folks. Yeah, we were doing okay. And we just was wondering if the if the doctor's right that it would be forever. And her lifespan would be the same. She's seven year old now. Yeah. And um, what's your doggy's name? Texas. Well, the... Your veterinarian is correct in that dogs, once they're diagnosed with diabetes, it is a lifelong treatment. And, and this is a little bit different than what we know about people and, say, cats. Dogs are what we call type 1 diabetics, meaning that they're insulin dependent. And people and cats 
are type 2 or non-insulin dependent. So that means that for dogs, we're stuck with insulin, and that's pretty much the primary means that we treat. So for Duchess, yeah, you're going to be looking at twice a day insulin, um, you know, giving her those shots. And that is something that a lot of folks really are a little bit hesitant or have challenges with at first, but it becomes uh, routine and the dogs seem very comfortable with it. So um, it, it becomes a pretty uh, status quo type thing, very, uh, very easy regimen. But um, there are some other things that we'd want to make sure that you're thinking of and um, we'd want to discuss and things you can do, especially with a schnauzer that we're very concerned about is we're going to really be focused on diet. Um, so do you have her on a particular diet? Did they recommend a, a special diet for her? Yes, they gave her prescription food. Okay. Well, there are a lot of really good um, diabetic diets that help to keep the insulin and the blood sugar level regulated. And the basic idea is we want to feed diets that are high in fiber, and that helps to keep the the body's blood sugar kind of even throughout the day, and that can help make it easier to regulate our diabetics. So sometimes it's a little bit more expensive to feed the diets that are geared towards diabetics, but it can help make therapy easier and sometimes require less insulin. So, um, you know, diet is definitely a big thing here. The other thing I'd really keep in mind is we want to keep her in good, healthy weight because a chubby diabetic is harder to keep the diabetes under control. Um, so yeah. that also goes into uh, playing with a high-fiber diet, one that's low in, uh, low in fat, um, and that'll help in the long run. It is a bit challenging, and there are some challenges with specifically with schnauzers um, that we'll watch for. And uh, in addition to diabetes, we watch for some other hormone problems that they can get. And um, controlling diet plays a role with one of these, and that's a type of pancreas problem called pancreatitis. Yeah, so, she had um, that when she first got sick. That's when we found the diabetes. She got sick with yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. And um, when we think of what the pancreas does, there's part of the pancreas that produces insulin and there's part of the pancreas that produces enzymes that help them digest food. And when the part that produces the enzymes isn't working, such as in pancreatitis, then that can actually cause a problem with diabetes. So yeah, and that's real common. We see where a diabetic is diagnosed after that bout of pancreatitis. And uh, that's that's generally when we have a lot of GI problems, when they're vomiting and having diarrhea and they don't want to eat. Is that kind of what she had going on initially? Yes, initially she lost from 14 pounds down to 11 and a half. But now wow. she can't get enough to eat. She eat, wants to eat all the time. Right. But we restrict her to twice a day. And our question, I guess, was that the doctor really, I don't think he really answered it for us, is could it be... Not diabetes, since she had that pancreatitis, could be something she'll get over? Not too commonly. Um, we can see sometimes in cats more of a um, temporary diabetes, but in dogs, generally, once they got it, they got it for good. Now, and you mentioned that, that she's eating a lot right now, and, and generally yeah. with our diabetics, we want them to eat a steady amount. So once you get to where she's a bit more regulated, that appetite will hopefully go down, and she'll level off in her weight where she won't seem so ravenous and like she can't get enough food to, to keep her going. So mostly, Charlie, I think you're going to be looking at dealing with regular veterinary checkups, um, managing this diabetes, and getting to know what is working for your little girl and how to best handle this disease. This is Dr. Debbie at Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. 
for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. We talk about just about anything animal, including that would be kangaroo farts. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you wouldn't let me forget that one. Uh, You you have some great stories there and you always find uh, the good news. Uh, we welcome back to the show Jackson Galaxy. He has a book out called Catify to Satisfy. And what I like about this, if you have a cat with a behavioral problem, he can uh, tell you how to build a house around it. And wow. We, welcome back. Jackson, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. How are you? I got to tell you, I love the book, first of all, because I like pictures. I like lots of pictures. <laughs> and you, you got and me both, buddy. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the behavioral problems that we can build around? Well, I, I mean, I think the, the one thing that I always want to make sure of is that we're being proactive and building around so that we don't have behavioral problems. But I think that the one thing that if you've watched my show over the years, I, I feel like a broken record, which is think up. Think of the vertical world because the cats are already one step ahead of you. They walk into the room, they're always looking up. And, and the best thing that we can do, especially in a multi-cat household, in a, cat, in a house that has cats and dogs or even small kids, is allow the cats that opportunity to survey the domain from up on high. And we do a lot of example giving in Catify to Satisfy, that kind of situation. Does that stop a cat that uh, normally wants to run and hide under the bed? Would they just climb up higher or would they still stay under the bed when people came over? No, that's a great question. And, and I think, you know, knowing who your cat is to begin with is a great thing to do. So, you know, you, you want to make sure that when you're building anywhere on the vertical axis, whether that's, you know, from, from couch cushion to the top of the ceiling, that you are building for the cats in mind. I'm, I'm a big proponent that, we're trying to provide equal measures of comfort and challenge for our, our cats. So, for instance, I do want you to block off the unders, is what I call them, the unders, the underneath of the bed, uh, or uh, if your cat is squeezing under the couch, because any place where they go to choose to be small, invisible, uh, uh, not a part of the conversation, I, I don't want to give that to them. You know, we, we have that that tendency to over comfort so that we build beds in the closet for our scaredy cats. We don't want to do that. We want to, you know, we want to give them the concept of, of being enclosed, but in a way that works 
for building confidence. And we go into that in the book as well. Oh, that's awesome. The uh, call we get every week, week in and week out, is always about cats peeing and not in the litter box, usually inappropriate. And, of course, that can cause so much damage to a house, especially with wood floors. You practically have to tear out those floors if you ever want to move or rent the place mm-hmm. or anything like that. What uh, is there anything we can do to address that problem with construction, or is that all uh, behavioral? Well, yeah, I mean, for the most part, you know, it, it, yes, there's behavioral problems, but there's also trying to address the problem before it becomes that kind of a problem. I mean, the only way that it's going to go through your flooring into the foundation, into the wood underneath the flooring, is if you're completely ignoring the problem to begin with, and that spot gets hit 10, 15 times. So really, you know, trying to not turn a blind eye to the problem, I think, is part of the solution. You know, if your cat keeps choosing one spot on the floor to go, you've got to ask yourself, why is that happening? You've got you've to start, you know, becoming a sort of a cat journalist and, and looking around. What are the threats in that area? Why isn't there a litter box right there? Those kind of things. Because once it does get through that flooring, yeah, you've got a problem. You know what I like about the book and uh, your partner in crime, first of all, we should definitely mention her, Kate. Of course. And I don't know how much she's involved with uh, this, but everything is so aesthetically beautiful. I mean, it's not like we're just accommodating the cats. We're making it look good in the house, too. You know? Yeah, and that's the, yeah, you're hitting uh, the sweet spot between Kate and I. I mean, my place is <laughs> the, the behavioral. My place is getting to know your cat, who are they? And then Kate comes in and says, and hey, by the way, it can be really just gorgeous in the meantime. And the way it's presented in the book, the layout, uh, and of course, you know, who we pick for the most part, that's all Kate. For the longest time, there wasn't any really cat-friendly furniture that was that aesthetically pleasing out no, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it always played in to that awful stereotype of the crazy cat lady that, like, if you were going to have furniture in your house, it was going to be like that, you know, dusty rose-colored shag carpet thing that's all, you know, matted up and clawed up, and people walk into your house and they think they know who you are. You know what I mean? Like they have they have you pegged then. But now, there's such gorgeous, clean-looking, uh, you know, furniture that, that it's a whole new subsection of, of furniture, and... Uh, makes us really happy because it, it makes, at the end of the day, it is the, the, the definition of catification, which is making the humans and the cats happy at the exact same time. We are with Jackson Galaxy, and, you know, he, he dispenses a lot of advice, but we don't know a lot about you. How many cats do you have, and what does your house look like? Well, isn't that a tricky question? Well, I mean, <laughs> we, we, uh, we in our house, within the, the home, we have five cats and two dogs. And uh, right outside of our house, we have our feral family, that, uh, another five cats, that uh, we are now in the process of building a crazy catio. Uh, and we're just putting the finishing touches on it right now. And uh, that it's going to sort of encompass the entire backside of the house, where we're going to finally trap our feral family, get them off the streets, um, and put them in an area where... Uh, we can keep a closer eye on them and, and keep them safe from predators, etc. I suggest you pick up the book. I have 10 copies to give away right now. Great book from Jackson Galaxy called Catify to Satisfy Simple Solutions for Creating a Cat-Friendly Home. I salute you. Awesome. Thank you so much for what you do and you've done for cats in this last, what, decade has really changed. People have learned so much from your tips and, and really you're the first to really get it right. You know what I mean? You, you get it oh, right. You, you know, I have thank to you. say, it's good to see a guy embracing cats. Yes. 
<laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Hi, I'm Lori Brooks. The Scottish government is asking residents in that country now for their opinions on electric shock collars. You know, the kind that are used to train cats and dogs. And they want to know if residents of the country believe that shock collars should be banned. We, of course, here at Animal Radio think so. But Wales, Sweden, Denmark, and Germany have already banned shock collars. But supporters of them say that they can be used successfully as a last resort and have compared the pain inflicted to just a static shock. Australian and Swiss researchers, meantime, have revealed that while kangaroos emit low methane with flatulence, that's right, that transplanting their unique gut bacteria is not going to give the same results in other animals. And it doesn't matter what other findings have been revealed among studies and researchers. It's always been known that kangaroos would produce only a tiny amount of methane if they were together in large populations, mostly because they say kangaroos pass gas instead of burping like cows and sheep. So now scientists reveal that kangaroos produce low amounts of methane, because of the way that food moves through the kangaroo stomach, not because of the unique gut bacteria. Seems like we always get so excited about results that come from studies early. The Journal of Experimental Biology study debunks other studies that claimed introducing the kangaroo's unique gut bacteria to cows and other high methane producing animals would reduce greenhouse gas emissions. But we're going to have to look for something else. Millie the Basset Hound has a new famous mom and dad. The four-year-old Basset Hound with her very recognizable bark and howl was adopted by George and Damal Clooney just before Halloween, giving the couple now three canine children. 56-pound Millie is a very big lap dog. They say she loves cuddling and apparently has a thing for Mexican food. Millie was picked up by animal control while she was obviously a stray dog and was found begging for food outside of a Mexican restaurant in Southern California. Good luck, you guys. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I believe we have Vaughn on the phone? Yes, sir. Hey, Vaughn, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. What's up with your cat? Okay, we uh, was living in one place, and we decided it needs to be bigger, so we jerked it out and put another modular unit in. But before we moved over the modular unit, he just seemed like he liked that urinate in the floor all the time in the hallway. Well, after Yikes. he moved out of there, now he's wanting to go in the living room. Okay. And and when he's urinating, where is he urinating exactly? In the center of the room, against the walls, in the corners? Basically about anywhere he decides to. One time it can be in the middle of the floor, one time it can be close to the wall. And, and does the kitty go outside or are we just staying inside? He's just staying inside. Okay. Plus he and... sneaks out. <laughs> and is he a neutered kitty? Has he been yes. altered? And do you have other cats running around the house too, or just him? I got about nine other ones outside. Holy cow, nine! In. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, now do any of those cats come inside? Well, they sneak in. Okay. Alrighty. It's a very confusing situation when, you know, he's he's got different signals and different thoughts. You know, cats that are indoors can live a, a happy indoor existence, but when we start to have personalities in cats that they're seeing and smelling um, that live outside, th- then there's a whole territory kind of question. So, you know, it's very possible that your kitty could be having problems where he's trying to mark his turf. Um, you know, I first want to make sure we don't have a health problem, and you always should have a, a urine check to make sure we don't have any infections or stones or problems of those natures. But boy, it really sounds like he has the possibility that he is just frustrated. Um, so we'd really need to figure out some way to accommodate his world differently. We would want to either keep the blinds closed, keep the other cats out, and let him live his happy indoor existence, um, or make an accommodation where, you know, we've got a certain cat that stays inside with him. Um, there's so much that goes into the marking of their territory that some cats will spray on corners, some will spray in the middle of the floor, others will go into bathtubs, and sometimes right in front of your very face. So I'd really want to make sure that we um, kind of block the scenario where these other cats could be uh, you know, seeing your kitty. And then at the same time, make sure everything's kosher with that litter box, because if it stinks, uh, your cat's not going to want to use it. Um, so you want to make sure you change the litter frequently. Um, sometimes we'll even play around with the litter types and, and try some different varieties out there for your kitty. But if there's any concerns, I'd definitely make sure we get him checked out uh, with the vet, give him a clean uh, bill of health in his urinary tract, and then uh, work on some of those environmental things where we can try to modify things. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. What is a hairball anyway? And why are cats always throwing them up? 
Hair balls are just that, balls of cat hair. Cats regurgitate hair and food products they can't digest. There are actually two types of hair balls. Cats make one type in the back of their throat and another in their stomach. Both feel equally as disgusting when you step on them in the middle of the night. You can cut down on hairballs by brushing your cat often or using one of the many hairball remedies at a pet supply store. Make sure you have your cat checked out by a vet if you think the vomiting is not hairball related. But hairball tossing is perfectly normal, even in a healthy cat. So watch where you step. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Radio. I was just in the hallway with Joey Villani, and he called me a lipoma. I don't. I, I don't. You don't know what that is. Oh, yes, veterinarian humor or something like that. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Is it good? I assume not. Well, it depends. A lipoma is a fatty tumor, so oh. I don't know if he was referring to like your head or what. But yeah, uh, you know, lipomas, and they're actually a very big problem in oh. dog owners. You, you'll find um, a lot of dogs can develop fatty tumors. My own dog, Magnum, um, my oh. Labrador, just we took a bunch off this week. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we were worried some of them were in weird locations, so we were worried they were malignant. Um, but fortunately, everything came up good, and they were just benign. Well, now, how tumors. do you figure out if they're benign or malignant? Well, one of the simplest things we can do is a needle biopsy. Okay. Um, so we just do that in in outpatient uh, care, send it out to a lab, and find out what that might be. Um, in his case, we got some really suspicious findings on that, so we had to go in surgically to remove them. Um, and then once you have those biopsied, you'll find out if it's uh, serious or not. But you know, there's I think there's a lot of people that you know assume every tumor is a lipoma, like you know, ah, it's nothing, um, and that's a very dangerous assumption. So I, I would definitely want our listeners to know that not every lump is a lipoma. So there's some things we can do to try to figure that out. Okay. Um, the first thing would be that uh, fatty tumors or lipomas um, do tend to kind of move around um, on the skin. So they're, they're kind of loosely attached. So if, if we feel a lump that's solid, firm, um, that has any kind of oozing, anything like that, that's more suspect. So you need to see the vet for that. Okay. Um, another characteristic is lipomas are usually on the lower half of the body. So from the midline of the body down, it's usually along the underside, the armpit. So in lumps and other areas, see the vet for those. Okay. And then there are definitely some breeds like the Labradors that are just tumor factories and they just get tons of lipomas. So, uh, Labrador retrievers and Doberman pinchers. Um, but there are some breeds like the Boston Terrier and the Boxer. I do not assume that any lump is okay. Those dogs, any lump, they should really be evaluated by a veterinarian because they do get some bad types of skin cancers. So you want to get those guys checked out. Well, yeah, I think any lump on any any breed you should get. (laughs) I would, you know, if it was my animal, if you ever have a lump on your dog or cat or ferret or hamster, you should check it out and at least ask the doctor. I would do that. And, and that's definitely the smartest way to go. So we, we would want every lump checked out. Now, there are some dogs that just get oodles of them. Like my dog, we took off three warts, three fatty tumors, and my dearest husband forgot to get two other ones that we found after oh. the fact. So there could be multiple. So, you know, we have to really kind of um, prioritize those sometimes. But your dog's okay, right? He's it- doing wonderful and, uh, you know, lost a little bit of fatty tumor. So, you know, he's thin down a little bit. Mm. Now, does that come with age? Do the younger dogs get it or usually just the elderly dogs? 
usually older dogs. And surprisingly, it isn't always fat dogs that get them. So it really it doesn't have to do necessarily with how heavy or how lean they might be. And, you know, some dogs, I've seen uh, average 30-pound dogs get some enormous fatty tumors on them, almost as big as like a football or a, a bigger dogs, even as big as like a soccer ball they'll have on them. So they can get pretty extreme. So you, you want to catch them when they're smaller, when we can do a little bit more for them. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How'd you like to eliminate your expensive cable bill forever or get new satellite internet where cable can't go? Well, now you can have affordable satellite internet service for a few dollars a day. All you need is a mini satellite installed, and you can have unlimited internet connections wirelessly in your home or office. And no cable boxes means unlimited connections and no clutter. You can surf the internet or stream any of your favorite television services with no cable. And the best part is, satellite internet service costs only a few dollars a day for your entire home. Yes, fast internet to surf or stream television for a few bucks a day. Call now for free details and learn how to drop your expensive cable bill. 800-696-2871-800-696-2871-800-696-2871. That's 800-696-2871. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I believe we have, uh, is it Susie on the phone? Hi, Susie. I have a seven-year-old male, yellow tabby. He's, he's neutered, and he lost his female companion. She was nine. Um, she's been gone about 12 weeks now. They got along great. They shared a bed. They groom each other. They no food issues. He misses her very much and has become very needy. So mm-hmm. um, we're talking about introducing another cat into his life. He's a bit of an alpha even though he's neutered. Um, I'm interested in getting a shelter cat, a female again. Um, my requirements, she's going to need to know, or we're going to have to teach her how to use a cat door. Uh, nine to 12 months was my idea, a little more mature, uh, so that she's mature enough to handle him. Someone who mm-hmm. will roll his eyes if he, you know, he's, he's never aggressive, <laughs> but you know how males will just bat, batter batter around a little bit or something and he'd be and a pushy big tolerant. brother you're saying right exactly exactly <laughs> okay. so, so uh, you're looking for a some, female um, hints on introducing this uh new cat and really what i need to look for in mm-hmm. a female Okay. Well, if, if he has definitely a, a strong dominant streak, then you definitely want to be looking for a cat that's going to be more laid back, passive, um, a little bit more of the snuggler type kitty. So I would look for that as you're kind of um, uh, checking out what kind of options you have for adoption. As far as I definitely like the idea of having the female, and I just make sure you perhaps stay towards the slightly juvenile side. Not that you can introduce an adult cat into that situation, but if he's particularly a little bit of a um, bossy big brother, then we want to make sure we do have a cat that's going to kind of find the um, path into the hierarchy of the cat household. So um, I just don't want you to necessarily look at a a senior cat. And I hate to say that for adoption's sake. (laughs) Would you think six months is old enough? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that should okay. be fine. And then the, the big things with introducing a new cat are going to be to take it slow. <laughs> that is the biggest thing. And I start with very minimal physical contact. And if, if possible, I try to do introductions first by sound and smell. So if we can keep cats on, say, separated by a door and okay. feed them um, on both opposite sides of the door so they associate the good of the food with the smell or the sound of the cat on the other side of the door. That's the very. If you can start at that level and work your way up, then you're doing really good. Wonderful. Um, and, and then I work with switching out, say, bedding to the opposite side. Let that go on and, and, and watch for signs that your cat is not at ease or that the other cat's not at ease. Okay. And uh, we don't push it if, they're, if we're starting to pick up those kind of cues. Mm-hmm. Eventually, then you take the barrier down and, if possible, keep the new kitty maybe a bit separated if you have to use a, a a pet cage or a crate just so you can safely um, kind of monitor the interaction with your kitty around and then you kind of build up from there to where you allow the kitties to have access together and um, hope for the best and watch um, the big thing is we want to avoid competition so mm-hmm. you want to make sure when they do physically get together that you've got plenty of food and litter pan sources and like snuggly sites you know if they like scratching and you know um, the different hiding spots that your kitties might like make sure there's equal opportunity for both so that they don't have to feel they have to compete for that okay great and then and then the other thing you might throw in also and i love using my pheromones my scent hormones um i would definitely get a pheromone plug-in okay uh, when you're introducing the cats um if you have to get two just if you're separating them in different rooms do so but i like that it's a natural thing and it's using um a, a nice friendly, happy hormone that cats have. So anything we can do to facilitate that introduction, I'm all for it. So I give that away. Um, and okay. then uh, with the cat door, when uh, we introduced it to our the other two cats, we just kind of uh, held the flap up and uh, enticed them with food. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any better ideas than that, or do you think that's a pretty good solution to teaching them how to use a cat door? Yeah, and I think we'll have to find what motivates the cat that you adopt because uh-huh. food would be definitely the biggest one. Um, sometimes some cats are just really focused on a particular toy. Um, you know, if they like paper bags or they like a, you know, a certain type of a mouse toy, you know, use that as the, the, the inciting reason to go through that door. So yeah, and I definitely want to make sure that door is fixed open. So mm-hmm. if you can hold it, that's great. But even if you have a, a mechanism, we can leave it locked and open just to kind of practice that. But I would sure. say the the door training is going to be secondary to you know the introduction and just getting used to the house and oh, itself. Oh sure, sure, absolutely. So. Wonderful. Right. I appreciate your advice and I love your show. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for listening. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question, give us a call or give me an email at docdebbie at animalradio.com. Hey, it's Vinnie Penn, your resident party animal, coming at you again on Animal Radio. I wanted to bring something up to you. This could draw the ire of some of you uh, animal radio listeners, but sometimes they do like to push your buttons. I think you know that by now. I was at a raging party last night. Just a great, great time. And at one point, everybody was having a great time. And it was a group of people who don't get together very often. And and at one point, one of our old friends of ours, she said, well, it's time for me to go. I got to let the dog out. You know how it is. Got to get home and let the dog out. I was just thinking, you know, I had two dogs in my life. I never had to leave somewhere 
to let the dog out. Uh, from my recollection of, of my two dogs, Rocky and Cruiser, Rocky, of course, being short for rock and roll, we were pretty much on the same bowel movement schedule, I might uh, dare I say, when it comes to me and my dogs. So I'm starting to think, we looked at each other after she left, and my buddy Tommy and I were like, that's the out, huh? That's, that's a girl, that's a dog owner's, I gotta wash my hair, out. That's her way of saying, okay, this party sucks. You guys are getting drunk and stupid as usual. Ooh, the dog. I got to let the dog out. Poor thing. Home alone. Leaving a party to quote unquote let the dog out is the dog owner's equivalent of, I just don't think of you that way. Vinny Ped, Party Animal on Animal Radio. Do you have a home that you don't want anymore? We can buy it from you within 24 hours, any home, size, or condition. For over 20 years, we've been buying homes for cash and helping homeowners sell their homes immediately with no listings or strangers walking through your home. Are you moving? Did you lose your job? Going through a divorce? Whatever the reason, if you're in a bind and you know that you need to sell your house fast, call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. We'll make you a serious cash offer to buy your home in 24 hours and let you walk away from it. No listing, no waiting. Sell any home, any size, any condition now. Call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. Make this free call now. 
But when, when it comes to me, she just refuses to do it. Hmm. And I used a spray bottle. I even got a shot collars. They told me to, but I didn't, never used it. <laughs> I don't know what I should, In other words, it's me. And she goes after uh, dogs that are fearful. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, she I mean, when I first got her, she had colitis, and she's had it for five years. So I think maybe that had something to do with it. And uh, then I found out she had, or when I was, went ahead, to, because they wanted to get her rabies, and I go, it would probably kill her, right? So they uh, tested her again, and she had Giardia for five and a half years. So that mm-hmm. might have had okay. something to do with it. Then yeah. she was uh, almost killed by a tit dog. Tit dog. Um, oh, okay. So that might have had something to do with it. Um, she has separation anxiety, really okay. bad. So I can't leave her, or I have to have someone watch her. What um, does she do so if you leave her? She totally. I'm mean, at one point. I I was going back, leaving her in the car, and then going back and going back out uh, to the car, going back and forth. I was just because that's what the trainers told me to do. Uh, I literally, when I went back, left her like no more than ten minutes, if that. And there was, like, people all around my car, like, you know, yelling. And then they said, it was my dog. Or, Your dog's having an anxiety attack. You're, you know, get her out of there. And um, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was trying to be calm, right? So I got her out, and she just freaks out. I mean, I've had notes put on my car left and right. Okay, what, do you ever leave, leave her at the, the house? Is this only occurring in the car? Or has she ever been left at the house no, and displayed I, yes, this behavior? No, if I leave her in the house, she does the same thing. Okay, so she acts really anxious. Does she, is she destructive, or does she urinate? Oh uh, no, in she the just home? no, not destructive anyway. She just has an anxiety attack. She's just freaking out, drooling at the mouth, um, okay. just screaming her head off. Um, okay, so she pretty much goes everywhere you go. It sounds like pretty, yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, it's become not that I wanted that. I mean, I did. Okay. I wanted a dog, but I didn't want the dog like glued to my hip. But okay. I, you know, at this point, if I leave her, she freaks out. All right. And so does she? When, she's got me trained to not to leave her. Okay, that certainly sounds to be the case. Partly. Um, now, when, do you guys go out on walks? Does she? Uh, does no, she heal I, by I your side? Does she uh, constantly? She gets twi- walked twice in and for a good one, maybe like two or three miles. Um, I, I like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Okay. Uh, a good walk, and then in the mornings, you know, like half an hour or so. So, does she walk by your side, or does she pull ahead of you? No, she, I, you know, she's always, you know, she's not to go, you know, in front of me. She is to be on the side or in the back. Okay, so when, when she doesn't listen to you, in what context does she not listen to you? Because if, if she heals by your side, that's obeying a command. Right. So, so does if a she dog not that do... she sees that she's, uh, that's fearful, she will go ballistic. And I, I mean, she's only at 15 pounds. I, I can't even control her. I mean, I, I told her, to, you know, like the trainers, go lay on your side, your head down, and she'll do it. And then she'll go right back into her little Tasmanian okay. double so stage. So in, in the home environment, now, does she listen to you as far as if you tell her to sit, stay, come? You said yes, she doesn't listen she to does. you, but she yes, does. she does. So out when you're on a leash and other dogs are around, mm, that's what right. she's not listening to. She will not to. listen to me. Everything goes out the window. But okay. yet, when the trainers come, and and she sees the trainers, she won't do a darn thing. And then I took okay. her up north to have her, you know, where the trainers were, and they had Doctor Fearful. They even had a cat, and she did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so they go, "How can we do um, correct her when she's doing nothing wrong?" So it's just second the trainer's gone, then she's right back to being bad again. 
Okay. The challenge I think that we're going to have with her is, is that she has a couple things going on from, from what this, this brief history that you have given me. And there's, these kind of things are more complex than we can cover on a, a Right. Call. I mean, it's like I can write a book on everything she's done. Exactly. Me. And so there's a lot of triggers. So, and actually, a lot of times when we say that a dog seems aggressive to other dogs, they really aren't aggressive. They're actually right, anxious and fearful. Dog, yet she is aggressive, but, you know, not aggressive. I don't know how to say that. but She may be acting aggressively, but her motivation may be more of anxiety. So a pet right. that has anxiety about being left alone can also have anxiety about um, the consequences of another intruder or another animal or person coming near them or their beloved family member. So that may make her behave in an aggressive manner. doesn't mean she's outwardly aggressive. So that's where I think we need to get, and nothing to say bad about trainers. Trainers are wonderful, but you have a a, a baby here who's kind of failed the trainer route. And um, I think part of the approach that we're looking at is we're not sending her to the trainer. We need to train you to help train her the the trainers aren't her don't she doesn't belong to the trainers who belong to me so she has to do what i say Exactly. So that's that's the one big thing. Now, the other approach that I would advise you to look at is to look more at a behaviorist because behaviorists are going to be from two different backgrounds. One, there are board-certified behaviorists, and those are actually veterinarians that go on to specialized training after vet school and are board-certified. There are also uh, what we call um, applied animal behaviorists, and they may have, like I say, a master's or a PhD in animal psychology, um, something of that venue. So either either direction, I think this is the way we're going to need to go because we need someone who can be with you and help you physically change some of these behaviors. The other thing is that in many cases with a pet that has this many these many different anxiety problems, we may need to tap into a medication. And there are um, different approaches depending on what we see on the ground. So if I have a pet that's acting very fear aggressive, we might choose a different medication. But there are some very good choices. Um, there are two that are labeled for separation anxiety. One is called Clomacalm. The other is called Reconcile. Um, and, and I may use one of those in a situation like this. Um, it just depends a little bit more on some of the reality that we see in the home environment. But with any pet that has separation anxiety or generalized anxiety, a lot of what we do is providing structure, working on those basic obedience commands, and teaching appropriate behaviors that we want them to do when they're in a situation that's going to be high anxiety or something that's going to trigger their behaviors. Um, So that's really the the basics. Now, how that happens is really the tough nitty-gritty that happens on the daily basis and teaching her a quiet place, teaching her a calm um, behavior that you want her to do, and then setting her up gradually for scenarios where she might encounter a dog from off in the distance and really rewarding the good behaviors in when she's faced with those um, those uh, triggers. Um, for separation anxiety, that's another whole um, way to go. Um, and, and I think it would be very hard to teach a dog not to be anxious if we're asking them to sit in a car. Um, a, most of the training with separation anxiety is done in the home environment because that's where their home base is. A car, there's a lot going on, um, you know, people going by, a lot of noises, and they don't have the comforts of home. So we want to, you know, really practice and train her to be calm in that home environment. A lot of people will tell them, go to a pillow. Um, and then we reward the dog for going to pillow or we give them a toy or a chew item. And then we have to change all those cues that we do before we depart. Um, so part of managing her anxiety away from the home is also going to be addressing her separation anxiety in the home. Um, 
so you do have a lot of work on your hands, but I think that oh, might be the direction we need to go. Major you know, that you mentioned your doggy got uh, attacked uh, earlier in her life, and that can set up some really big fear for a future um, event. And, and I think for a pet with anxiety, you know, you mentioned shot collars. I don't really think that has any place for a pet with an anxious behavior. Right. They um, made it worse. That's why they it, it. Exactly. Any kind of physical discipline, um, yelling, kind of holding her down, that technique of holding her down. I, I don't right. think that's, that's going to be helpful at all in this situation. Right. So, um, you know, and I can give you some, some websites if you want to look at some of the different behaviorists. Um, the uh, American College of Veterinary Behaviorists is the www.com. D-A-C-V-B.org. Um, and they may be able to, you know, you can look and see in your area if we can find you a veterinary behaviorist that's going to help you with this. Good advice. Thank you so much for calling today, Nora. So is this like doggy Prozac almost? Potentially, yeah. So a Reconcile is actually the core drug in um, fluoxetine, which is Prozac. Um, so it just kind of depends on the patient. Um, separation anxiety is such a big problem, and I, you know, caller knows, but 14 to 17 percent of dogs are estimated in the U.S. to have separation anxiety. So it's a really big thing, and, and we do see it a lot in older dogs, sometimes those that are adopted at an older age. So uh, it's a daunting diagnosis. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. We'll go back to those phones in just a couple of minutes. But first, for the 14th consecutive year, we visit with John O'Hurley. It's, uh, well, you know, it's Thursday. Hard to believe Thanksgiving around the corner and the National Dog Show presented by Purina. John, how are you doing? Uh, well, I, you know, I know the dog show is coming because I, I heard my first Christmas commercial yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> they are leaping right past us already. Doesn't it get faster and faster every year? It seems to. We just put one to bed and we're, we're beginning again, huh? Yeah. Uh. So I understand that this book that you were working on last time we talked to you, The Perfect Dog, is now a musical? Isn't that funny? You know, it began really as uh, just one of those little poems that I like to write, uh, write every year for the dog show. Uh-huh. Uh, it has now became a very successful uh, children's book, and uh, it's now a very successful children's musical uh, called The Perfect Dog, and it is just adorable. I don't want to give it all away, but the story is just a great story about going out looking for that perfect dog. It's about a, a 
it, well, it, essentially, the poem was written as an answer to my son's question, is the dog that's best in show, is that the perfect dog? Oh. And I said, well, that's an interesting <laughs> question. So I wrote the book as an answer to the question, and I talked about what the perfect dog would look like and the pages and pages of photos of all the things that the perfect dog would have, uh, you know, the, this type of coat or this type of... So it ends with him saying to me, Daddy, the dog that is perfect is the one next to you. And it happened to be his little stuffed puppy. Uh, So it included everything in all breeds, uh, great and small. And that was the premise of it, that, you know, the dog that is next to you, no matter what it is, stuffed or or mongrel or purebred, it doesn't matter. That is the perfect dog. You said it was a poem that you used during the show. You do that every year? I do. This year I have written one, Why Does a Dog Need a Tail? Oh, I can't, I can't wait. wait. <laughs> and that'll be up on the website. Now, every year I look at the list of all the new breeds at the show, and I can't pronounce them yeah. every year. I know this is something you, uh, you know, struggle I, with. I swear, I swear, about four, three, four years ago, when they threw the Cholo Quint, Cholo Quintley, the Mexican hairless yes. dog, I said, you know, they're just, they just named this dog just to play around with me. And now this year we have seven breeds, and about five of them are absolutely, I've got to sit there and look at a cue card to get the, we have the Legato Romanolo, the Burger Picard. Uh. We have the, uh, uh, the Cierneco del Etna. Uh. We have the, uh, uh, the uh, Bergamasco. Uh, and then what, the, 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 what was that? The, the Bergamasco. <laughs> His accents are right for well, like different nationality. I'm trying to sound like every six o'clock newsman that when he gets to the word Costa Rica has to pronounce it. <laughs> and then we have the final one in the working group is the Burble. The Burble? Burble. Burble. It's actually uh, a, a South African dog, and uh, and I guess in Africana that means uh, farm dog, but it's a very, it, a very mastiff looking dog. Yeah, they're large. They have big muscles. They big muscles, yeah, very broad. You can see the the uh, the, the chest muscles in them, but uh, big heads. Make Schwarzenegger proud. Yes, yeah. they would. And then we have a new corded dog, uh, which is the uh, Bergamasco. Abs- and then of course it has that Rastafarian type of look to go with it. But like it a mop. Abs- absolutely gorgeous, though the the different tonations of brown. It was just a beautiful dog. If I saw this dog out on the street, I would think it was neglected and so it was just fully matted and need to be shaved down. But yes, that's the way right. it is. Yeah. 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 yeah, or coming from a car wash. Think what yeah. they could do to yeah. your floors if you had that's wood right. floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I this... didn't know they were called corded dogs. That sounds like corded, an electric yeah. they dog. They have the common door, the pulley. These are corded dogs. They, they call these cords, the mats that, 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 uh, that grow. But it takes them a while, I guess. It takes them uh, about six years for the cords, actually, to for them... Wow. That cord to reach the ground. You sound like an expert on dogs. Oh, listen, you sit next to David Fry for long enough, and this stuff just rubs off on you. you know? <laughs> so what's up next? you got the musicals uh, is going on now, is that correct? I do. I just premiered my one-man show, which is called A Man with Standards. It's my one-man show that I tour around the country in uh, kind of more of like a supper club type of show. Oh, that's uh, got to be tough. That's uh, that's almost like a comedian. I mean, you Well, yes, it's a comedian with music. It's a story. It's a it, you know, it's kind of a running musical monologue that goes on for about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes and it's all me. Ah. Uh, wow. so it is tough. Yeah, it it's very draining, but it's very fun to do. Stories of my life and the musings of uh, the music that uh, I grew up with. So it's a lot of fun. Some of it's original and some of it's uh, you know, the cover tunes of the standards. So I'm doing that, and then I have uh, Chicago the Musical that it always rears its head about this time of year. I'll have that on tour in uh, five or six cities uh, after the first of the year. 
a couple movies that are coming out, and uh, yeah, our life is all good. I have a, and Brian Cranston and I have a new series that we're kind of oh. trying to put the cap on right now. A very very funny series. Wow, well, that would be fun. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be looking forward to hear about that in year fifteen mm-hmm. next year when we uh, we talk again. John O'Hurley joining us. One of the two. Well, you got the bronze and the brain, and you know who's who: David Fry and John O'Hurley. <laughs> Uh, for the National Dog Show on NBC this Thanksgiving. You know, for something that just started off on a wing and a prayer, it's uh, become kind of a, you know, there's not, I don't go anywhere in the country where people don't say, you know, Thanksgiving, we see you, we watch you, and that's our... That's our sit-down moment, and it's great to know that it, because on the great family day of the year, this is uh, a, a wonderful piece of programming. You don't feel like you're starting fights over the TV, you know, whether to oh, watch football? Oh, or... absolutely, and you'd be surprised when people send us the videos of their dogs attacking the screen uh, <laughs> and then having like a visceral anger that they're not there or maybe because of what, they, what they're seeing. John, we'll check you again next year. Have a great one. Thanks for talking to me today. Bye-bye. Thank you. Listen, that's uh, not all we got today. Apparently, Tanya Tucker will be joining us. At least we we think Tanya Tucker. We know she was supposed to join us last week. She has a virus or a Yeah, she, she was ill, so we, we hope she's well enough today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. All right. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143-That's 800-689-0143 This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. We report here on Animal Radio about all kinds of research that shows how beneficial it is to have animals and pets in our lives. Today's no different. We got another one. The good news here is this study specifically mentions asthma, which is a huge problem for many families. And this study shows exposure to dogs or even farm animals at a very young age is linked to a lower risk for childhood asthma at age six. In the study in the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics, they looked at over 650,000 kids and did find a possible benefit to being around animals very early on in their lives. And farm animal exposure was linked to a 52% lower risk for school-age children and a 31% lower risk of having asthma among preschool-age kids. That's pretty amazing. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to get more animal breaking news anytime you need it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Delta dog, that flower you- 
Cool Radio. That's Miss Tanya Tucker. And I believe, were you telling me she was 15 years old when she did that? No, I said 13. 13 years old? 13, and it was a hit. At 13, I was, I I didn't want to go there. (laughs) Don't go there. Let's welcome her to the airwaves, Miss Tanya Tucker. How are you doing? Hello. Nice to talk to you guys. Where are you today? I'm in Nashville. We're right outside of Nashville, actually. That's the place to be? Near the sun. Yeah. We take every bit of sun we can get around here. What, you don't get a lot of sun in Nashville? Well, I mean, just right now it's been rainy and, you know, kind of yucky. But today is beautiful. It must be, gosh, it must be 80 degrees out here. Wow. Well, that's just uh, weird for this time of year. So I'm just sitting out like, you know, um, like a hillbilly. I'm out here in my <laughs> little floating fold-out chair and uh, sitting with my girlfriend and my uh, my dogs. Tell us about your dogs. Well, I have a kitchen wallows. And I have a golden retriever. We have a rescue dog. And my son just got a new puppy, a new lab puppy. Her name is Mika. So we're uh, dog poor around here. <laughs> uh, did you say dogs two? Dogs and horses. Dogs and horses. Lots of dogs and horses. And they all get along, yeah. I assume. Oh, yeah. The little chihuahuas run the roost, though. You know how they are. Well, no, I don't. I, I just don't picture you as a chihuahua type of gal. No, I, I know. Uh, I've had one, a Tito. I've had him. Uh, for about 10 years, and I lost him in Malibu when I was living out there in the coyote-infested canyon. I lost him for about nine months. And found him again? It was definitely a God thing, because I just kept praying for that little white dog to come back. And um, they found him about 60 miles away. Wow. Holy moly. uh, I was in Nashville, and uh, they called, uh, it was, uh, he had a chip, you know. That's how I got him back. And you talk about a reunion. Oh, God. (laughs) What did he do? Incredible. Oh, I just, it just went crazy. He went crazy. We, we both went crazy. I bet. And, uh, you know, then I thought, well, I've got to have a puppy by him, you know, just to have, because that's what got him in trouble in the first place. So I, um, I had a, uh, got a little female in New York called, uh, named her Brooklyn, and I bred her to Tito. And we had one litter of pups, and one, I gave, I gave all of them to my girlfriends, but one girlfriend decided not to take the last one, and I came back off the road, and he was still home, and I said, well, I'm keeping him. So I've got Ricky Ray sitting in my lap now. Ricky he's Ray. Like, Ricky Ray. He's right here, and he's the son of Tito. And then, of course, I had him neutered. Good for you. So that, I totally believe in that. I think the the microchip is a great thing to have. It's a great story to tell, you know, because some people don't put microchips. Awesome. If, if all vets will make sure that they scan, you know. Yeah. No matter what dog it is, to scan them. I don't know if they do that on a regular basis. I don't know how that works, but... They should. You were very lucky. Uh, did you say five years? Nine months. Nine, nine months. I'm sorry. Nine months? Nine after? months. Holy moly. You were so lucky. Yeah, that is... I mean, that was definitely because, uh, you know, the canyons there, just you couldn't let your dogs out too long. I mean, you heard about Jessica Simpson's dog. Yeah. But they just come right up and got it in front of her, you know? Yeah. So I never would oh, let them out too long unless I watched. Uh, and so one night he just got away, and he's up there in Carbon Mesa and where all the celebrities that live, and probably there's probably little Tito's from there to Hawthorne, you know? Jeez. Probably didn't need to have them bred. He probably had a, had a bunch of them. So, uh, but I've got one in my lap right now. And he's, Do you take him everywhere you go? Everywhere I go, yeah. You're, We're going to be spending Christmas in Telluride this year in Colorado. Oh, you're going to love that. And um, I, I don't want to fly because, you know, I've got my dogs. Uh-huh. And I, so I think we'll just get my bus to take me to as far as Denver and then because I know the bus can't get over those canyons, and, and especially in the wintertime, all those uh, passes. So yeah. um, take as far as Denver, and then we're just going to rent some Suburbans and go on into Telluride. Because I can't think of having, I can't, I can't imagine Christmas without my puppies, you know. Exactly. And snow. 
So you got that both. I got to have them. Yeah. I got to have but them. But what about your horses, Tanya? You said you have horses. I do have horses. And I got a new one coming in. Not a new one, but I haven't seen him in a while. He's been in training. So I got one coming in in the morning. But uh, they're about seven minutes down the road from me. And uh, they're in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. And they're doing great. I'm in the cutting horse thing. I was going to do the big celebrity cutting this year in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, but I was off by two days. It was, it was going to be on the 4th, and I thought it was on the 6th. So I didn't know I'm playing Chandler, Arizona on the 4th, so I'm not going to be able to, to go win it this time. I won it last year. Wow, so, congratulations. People who've never had horses don't really realize that horses are companion animals, too. Oh, absolutely. In fact, my, my, my horse that's getting in in the morning is a stud. He's still a stud, and he's uh, going on five. So it's like, okay, where are we going to put him? You know, you gotta, you can't put him out with a bunch of mares, you know. So, right. uh, and even though it's three hundred acres, you got to find the right place to put him. So we're going to deal with that tomorrow. What and, are you? Uh, uh, how, how are you going to deal with that? <laughs> well, we, we're going to figure out if we put him with the, with the mare that's already uh, in foal, or put him with another stud. If they see how they get along. Oh, and, I thought uh, maybe you might be building a little, it. you know, a little uh, alpha going on you know that's always that <laughs> yes. and uh we'll see how that works i don't want to get my horse hurt you know sure hey, you what do you love more your barn or your house oh i love my house right now i mean just moved in and uh, it's a new place and i really like it it's on five acres and it's out in the country and uh, it's about 40 minutes from town so uh, i guess the good lord wanted me to be out here because i was thinking i wanted to be right in town you know right where everything's going on and down on the road, music road, but the good Lord had another thing in mind. So it's beautiful out here, though. We love it, and the horses are close to me. Uh, now I don't have to drive 45 minutes to see my horses, so it makes it all really nice. And besides, I don't need to go to town that much anyway. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Tanya Tucker right after this. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Does your dog have really bad breath? I mean really bad breath. Bad breath in a dog could mean periodontal disease, which left untreated can be very dangerous to the overall health of your pet. Small dogs are extra prone to dental problems because their teeth are so close together. Your dog should have his teeth examined once a year by a vet, and you can help prevent plaque buildup by brushing your dog's teeth at least twice a week. It's not as bad as it sounds. Any pet supply store can set you up with a special pet toothbrush and toothpaste. Don't use human toothpaste. It's not made to swallow. The dog toothpaste tastes good, uh, to a dog, and your dog will actually grow to enjoy it. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio, and we're hanging with Tanya Tucker. I happen to have a few weeks off, off the road, that is. But people don't know that when you're off the road doesn't mean you're off. There's still things to do, like talking to you guys, or, or uh, we're lighting the Christmas tree on Friday. There's a whole yeah. bunch of activities going on. What else? Whatever else they want me to do, I guess. I'll be there to do it. Yeah, and there's going to be Santa Claus there, and there's going to be yeah. uh, cookie decorating. To yeah, you got to talk yeah. to him. Has he has he been good to you or what? I think he's been missing my house. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I just tell him right, right where I live now, so he don't have any problems. <laughs> That's the problem. Okay. Yeah, I found out it was Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's uh, going. Uh, you know, it's uh, 
it, it's funny that he gets lost to coming to my house, but I'll probably see him this year, though. You tell him to, yeah. to come on out this way, too, because he's missing my place, too. But this is all going on. Okay, well, I'll sit him on down. I guess it's, it's up from Nashville, isn't it? <laughs> it's west. Yeah, go west. Go west, Santa Claus. Go west. <laughs> Navigationally so, challenged. That's what we are. I don't know what we did without GPSs. Yeah, I know. Me totally. Either. I know. They mostly get me lost, so. <laughs> so uh, uh, we were in my truck and trailer hauling my horses, and me and my youngest daughter, Layla, and we got off on a little dirt road and had three horses in the back and almost out of fuel, and that GPS said, up, oh, and it went no service. So Layla had to get on top of the trailer, and, and uh, we finally called the cops, and the time they got there, though, we had somebody come by and help us get out. Good old country boy. And uh, country boy. meanwhile, we were taking the horses out and made a little fire. Finally, a good old country boy come by in a Dodge truck. I didn't know a Dodge could pull me out. I'm in a Ford, you know. And uh, so uh, he pulled me right out of there, and we got on our way. So we won't forget Paris, Texas, for sure. <laughs> you are a country girl. That, oh, that's a, that sounds like a country song. <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much for spending time with us today. Well, it's great talking to y'all. I really enjoyed it. And uh, and I'll make sure I'll send Santa Claus there. You do that. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, darling. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Do you have a home that you don't want anymore? We can buy it from you within 24 hours, any home, size, or condition. For over 20 years, we've been buying homes for cash and helping homeowners sell their homes immediately with no listings or strangers walking through your home. Are you moving? Did you lose your job? Going through a divorce? Whatever the reason, if you're in a bind and you know that you need to sell your house fast, call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. We'll make you a serious cash offer to buy your home in 24 hours and let you walk away from it. No listing, no waiting. Sell any home, any size, any condition now. Call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. Make this free call now. 800-478-6084-800-478-6084-800-478-6084-6084. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Hi, Joan. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Seal Beach, California. Oh, lovely place. Yeah. You're on with Dr. Debbie. I know. Isn't that cool? Thank you. Well, hi there. What can I do for you? Okay, Debbie, my dog was just diagnosed with diabetes about a week ago, 10 days ago. And I got her on the insulin and the the, the food, and I I went online, I got some... Menu, I got some di- uh, diet for her because I don't want to give her that can- canned stuff all the time. But he gave me this canned stuff for the uh, for like 10 days or whatever. I've got to go back tomorrow. Here's okay. the deal. Uh, I'm having a little bit of a financial problem. Is there any kind of a program that can, can maybe help me out with this? Because okay, I, as I far as with... $1,500 last week, and I'm going to have to put out another 300 just for tests tomorrow and you know it's you know and i is this ongoing or how does this work 
What, how did you, your pet start off with the diabetes? Um, where, she lost um, a lot of weight in the summertime. So I see, okay. and she was drinking a lot of water. And so I figured it was the heat. So mm-hmm. then she was hungry and hungry and hungry, and I kept feeding her. I was giving her real good food. Uh, nothing, I get it right from the pet shops, really good, good kibble and, and meat. I, she's like, I take care of her like a baby. Anyway, so she kept getting thinner and thinner. And then I had. And what kind of dog is she? She's a miniature pincher. Okay. She's four years old. So All I right. did, you know, I was going to get the insurance, but I figured I'll get it when she's seven or eight. But she's a tall min pin. She's a red, a tall red. She's okay. not one of those real tiny ones. So she was 19 pounds and she dropped down to 12. Oh, yeah. And diabetes, it, it's definitely, when we first diagnose it, it can really get a hold and be quite debilitating where we can lose weight. You know, the increased thirst and urination is excessive where the pet will be up at, through the middle of the night. And, and it really depends. Some initial diabetic pets, when they're first diagnosed, are kind of at their worst. Um, so sometimes that initial investment is pretty substantial. Um, for other pets, we might catch it before they really get what we call to become a sick diabetic. Uh-huh. Um, for those pets, it might not be as costly, but in the end run of things, um, diabetes is a chronic management disease. And just like with people, we know that there's going to be problems that come up. So we can have kidney problems, blood pressure problems, heart problems. So I would always like to prepare someone that has that diagnosis of a pet with diabetes that we are facing a lifelong um, problem and there is a lifelong investment so it hopefully will minimize as we go on but um, you know there are definitely those complications urinary infections and you could be spending two hundred dollars you know for a urinary visit on that date so they do kind of crop up here and there and, and I hear you that you know it is hard when you kind of have that unknown yeah, but you know, she's, I live alone and I'm on fixed income I'm a widow and she's, she's my companion so mm-hmm. I'm Treat a rock in a hard place, and I I, can't, I just can't put her down at this moment. I just love yeah. her. Yeah, and if, she's, if she seems to be doing okay and managing, then I would encourage you to work with your veterinarian. The number one thing I would say is, as best as it's within your ability to follow their recommendations, because the more swiftly we can get her to a regulated state, then the better off she'll be and the less problems you'll run into. Um, now, as far as the financial side, I, I probably don't have any specific recommendations for your area, um, you know, but there are some different funds with different veterinary organizations. The American Animal Hospital Association has one called the Helping Hands Fund, um, and some veterinarians do uh, participate in that. Um, for something as open-ended as a diabetes problem, I don't know how much that can help, but uh-huh. but you can look into that. But um, you know, the better you can do to keep her diabetes under control, then that that definitely will be um, you know the best way I can imagine to minimize is there, that. Is there a phone number for this helping hands? Um, I don't have that on air right now, um, but we can look into that for you. We'll find it for you. Um, but definitely, you know, even to talk to your, your own veterinarian for some local resources. Unfortunately, something like this, you know, you mentioned pet insurance, and that is a great thing if we're on board with pet insurance before we get this diagnosis. Right. But it's after the right fact. Now. Yeah, it's kind of like shutting that barn door after the horses run well, out. You um, know what? But her teeth are good. She's perky. She goes on three, four walks a day. And the vet says, as long as I keep her active, I might have to cut, I can cut back. She's on three units of insulin two times mm-hmm. a day. And he said, I might be able to cut back if I keep her active. 
Yeah, and, and he might have been even getting out when we keep our diabetic pets in lean weight. So if we're not chubby, it helps to decrease the need for insulin and it makes them a better regulated diabetic. So yeah, I would say keep her in good weight and keep that exercise up and, um, you know, work on that diet because we know that diet can help a lot with pets that have diabetes. So Joan, I know you're, you're, you're battling a long-term thing here and I, you know, I, I hope it turns out well for you, but many diabetes pets go on to live healthy, happy lives with the right care. So uh, keep up the good work. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Well, that was jam-packed, wasn't it? That was a really big show. My gosh. (laughs) Have yourself a really great Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy it with your animals. Make sure they stay out of the bad food and you don't end up at Dr. Debbie's office the day after Thanksgiving. Because got it. Yeah. And what is it? You don't want to give them the dark meat, right? Well, generally, you want to stay to lean meat without any of the fat. So no no skin, no gravies, no sauces. Um, Just the boring old white meat is the safest thing you can go Mm. with. Okay. And pancreatitis will um, occur when you share all those fixins, the sides, or if the dog gets into the garbage and, say, chews on the turkey carcass. So, yeah, and that causes um, vomiting, abdominal pain, a lack of appetite. It can be life-threatening. could be life-threatening. That's all you need to know. Stay Have yourself a safe and fun Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio. Network. Network.